0: Before we dive into the film's review, I wanted to give space for pregnant women, women who have recently given birth, or women who have no desire to give birth, to discuss their fears, feelings, worries, or desires around pregnancy in general, just because it's something that we seldom make room for in society to discuss and just assume that everybody wants to have a baby and that the experience is wonderful when in reality it's a lot closer to body horror. Thank you for everyone who was brave enough to send something my way and Thank you for honoring them by listening to their feelings
1: with each day comes the new horrors of pregnancy from being sick all day and throwing up to getting big and round and waddling, not being able to breathe or move like you used to, and then pushing out an average eight to 10 pound human from inside of me out into this world, ripping me apart but having so much love for it. When you give birth, the human person you were full of thoughts and ideas ceases to exist, and you have to confront the fact that you are now just an animal. You stink like a bear and milk yourself like a cow. You don't use rational thought or language anymore. You and your offspring communicate with smells and grunts. If you do have a human conversation, all anyone asks about is the baby. Just like in a nature documentary, the camera focuses on the cubs while the mother withers in the background. I don't want kids. I think the idea of having something growing inside of me, like the absolute scariest thing that I can possibly imagine. Um, I also think just like, just the medical system around people who are able to have kids is horrifying. Like they don't take pain seriously. They don't take concern seriously. Um... And just so much can go wrong in childbirth. I don't know. It's something that makes me nervous. You know, I I don't want to have a body capable of having children. So I don't know. Everything surrounding pregnancy and motherhood is just an absolute nightmare. I think the thing that I fear most as a pregnant woman is loss of self. Um, One, because of the loss of bodily autonomy. You know, you have to make really different choices. Um your body goes through things that are alien to you, especially as a first time mom. Um, And, you know, your, your body does kind of give up on, on itself in the third trimester. Um, But the loss of self also comes from the way that other people treat you as well. Um, You end up absorbing a lot of other people's baggage, uh, hopes, dreams, sources of validation, you know, as they look forward to new baby and what new baby might mean to them. Um, it's a lot to handle. It's, it's overwhelming and it makes you feel sometimes like you're not being seen, but there's high expectations of your body and you know what your body is doing. So
2: it's a lot. Once you have a kid, people really latch on to you being a mom. All of a sudden strangers start calling you mama and it's like, Oh, feel weird. I'm not sure I'll ever get used to society putting my label of mom first. I still feel too young and like I'm absolutely faking it to have that moniker, despite not being a young mom and having a toddler. When I got married, I never felt like I gave up any part of myself. It felt pretty much the same and nobody really talks about me in terms of being somebody's wife. Uh, But with my son, I felt a shift in my core, and my identity. It finds me in every possible way. Every day, I can't believe how tethered I am to another being. Yeah, I... Literally grew him. He was literally a part of me, but it's more than that. I no longer operate as an individual Right now the love I have feels big enough to make me feel okay with dividing myself A part of myself is just out in the world walking around dancing making animal noises It's just me and my son home most days. I hope to stay in our little bubble as long as we can Sometimes it's too scary for me to imagine letting this living breathing piece of myself out in the world. It feels impossible. Watching humans walk around and live their daily lives, and very few of them are actively holding their mom's hand, despite what the world can be like. It's it's too much. Sometimes it feels like too much. But then the other day, he met a pig in real life, and it's just like, I got excited to watch him be a person in the world, whatever that may mean.
1: When I was a teenager, I looked forward to being a mom and especially being pregnant. Uh, But when I was about 15, I started having horrible pain that turned out to be related to my reproductive health. I can almost certainly still give birth, but being told I might have fertility issues before I was even old enough to drive really changed my relationship to my own body. I really love kids, but I became terrified of something going wrong if I ever did get pregnant, so these days I'm happiest being an anti-god mom, babysitter, and pet parent. I was seven or eight years old when I found out what childbirth was and what kind of pain that women have to go through, and I remember going home from school, crying, telling my mom, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she reassured me. She told me it was worth it, but I never shook that feeling and I couldn't even believe her. And truly, ever since seven years old, I've made that choice to not have children and to not put my body through that pain. Isn't it funny how women are judged both for not wanting to have children and then being afraid of what children might do to their bodies physically. Even though our entire lives, we've been told that our bodies are maybe the only thing that society actually values us for, besides having children. Yet, when one negatively affects the other and we have the nerve to get upset, we are the ones that are in the wrong.
0: Welcome back, gals, ghouls, and baddest days of the world. I'm your host, Cass Clark, and joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Ryan C. Bradley. Hello. And today we have a returning guest to our pod, Miguel from My Horror Confessional.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: We're so happy that you're back. And we're talking today about Wasera, The Bone Woman, a new film coming to Shudder in the near, near future. The film is the directorial debut of Michelle Garza Cervera. It's directed and co-written by her and Abia Castillo. And the film follows a woman named uh, Valeria, portrayed by Natalia Solian, as she discovers that she's pregnant and how that changes the way her husband, family, and society treat her, leading her into the pathway of an ominous entity that feeds on her biggest fears and doubts. So my first question for y'all, what was your initial reaction to this film, and did you all like it?
3: I don't watch trailers very often, so I, uh, and I didn't watch for this one. So I just wanted to go in kind of cold turkey. I didn't read anything about it, and I ended up really, really enjoying it. I had a really good time with it. By the end of the movie, probably towards the middle of the movie, I realized that this was actually a movie that I wanted to see a fantastic fest. Last year, uh, my friend Max, you know, Max, he... Uh, mm-hmm had some tickets to Fantastic Fest and he couldn't use them. So he gave them to me, which is a really lovely thing he did. And so I had my first Fantastic Fest and I was going through all the schedule and I wanted to see uh, Waseta, but uh, it just didn't work out. So I'm I'm glad that I got to see it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was different and unique and also really frustrating, like mm-hmm. seeing her treatment, how people treated her and that sort of stuff. And uh, But overall, I enjoyed it a lot.
4: Yeah, I felt similarly, where I also don't I also don't watch trailers. So I feel like they give away mm-hmm. too much. I didn't know what we were watching going in, and I really, really enjoyed it. I think that the lead's performance was great. Mm-hmm. And it's remarkable that it was a first-time director and a first-time lead, mm-hmm. both putting together this movie, because it doesn't feel like that at all. It's a ton of confidence from both of them, where I think it works very, very well.
2: Yeah,
0: so I think especially for the, the lead actor, because a lot of this film is... This tension is conveyed through facial expressions and close-ups or even just long panning shots on the character just walking through the world as we watch how the world reacts around her. And I just think it takes a lot of skill to pull off a movie like that. Because I think in another actor's hands, it could have just been a bit stilted or, or maybe even not necessarily boring, but a little bit one note. But I just think she conveyed so much expression all the time that I never really wondered like, oh, what is she what is her desire? What is she what is she motivated by? Like I just was entranced by her. I really loved her performance. I really enjoyed her in the in the movie in general.
3: Yeah. And and to your point and to Ryan's point about her being a first-time lead, the the brunt of this movie is on her shoulders. If we don't believe her, if we don't have sympathy for her, if we don't like her, it would have failed. Yeah, and she just delivered in all fronts like there's important parts of the movie that if you didn't like the character a, a, after what she did it would lead you to even like them less and perhaps mm-hmm. you know just it wouldn't be su- successful but but she she did a great job with it and also the the other actress that was her ex um mm-hmm. uh, she I for me in the in the small scenes that she was in she kind of stole it for me I, I I really enjoyed um, her and and her acting as well. So her name was uh, Mayra Bat- Batalla and um, she's been in a, in a bunch of other movies. I, I don't know if she's been a lead or not, but this is my first time seeing her and I really, really enjoyed her as well.
0: Particularly for this character, she had to bring this like a punk rock aesthetic to the scene that again, it could in another actor's hands would kind of come through is a bit too like oh insert edgy character here right around the time someone's questioning whether or not they want to be a mom but it did just feel so genuine and and like raw in her hands i really i think that she nailed uh the role of octavia too i really loved her yeah okay so the body horror of this film this isn't a spoiler just yet but it's both it's mostly around how pregnancy changes val's body and one of my favorite scenes uh, it's not necessarily body horror, but it's implied body horror in my mind is when her dad is cracking open the chicken for their, I think it's like their Sunday, like brunch or whatever. And all, all of a sudden you see the bones of like the pelvis ones, the chicken just like crack and you see the flesh coming through. You hear the sound. And just at least for me as someone who could physically have a child, the shivers that sent down my spine were just amazing. And I love the sound design of that. I love that scene. And I love to hear y'all's favorite use of body heart imagery implied or direct in this movie
3: so for me i would say uh, so this the one of the plot points in the movie is like cracking your knuckles mm. and i do that i don't know if you guys are knuckle crackers but I, I Crack do. my knuckles and like growing up in a hispanic household my mom would tell me the same thing that don't don't crack your knuckles because it's gonna your your um Fingers are gonna are gonna get uh in in the, in in the movie they say chueco which means um, crooked um and so I don't care I still do it all the time but like that was like constantly constantly growing up they with they would tell that so it kind of like hit home here and uh, there's one scene in particular where she's I think it might because I after I saw the movie I saw the trailer and I think it might be in the trailer mm-hmm. but where she's cracking her knuckles and one of the fingers break. Right. Or uh, appear to break. Right. Yeah. And that was kind of it for me. Cause uh, even though I don't, I, I'm going to do it anyway, always in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this going to be the time that they break or something? <laughs> you know? So uh, that was probably my favorite use of it.
0: That was so good. Oh God.
4: Oh. It's funny. Cause uh, my mom would say the same thing and it totally got me to stop. <laughs> like I stopped cracking really? my knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the finger also is what got me, I think as like a guitarist and guitar teacher, Mm. The fear for my hands is real. Whenever I'm doing anything that involves like my hands, because if I hurt my fingers, that means I can't work.
3: Mm. Mm.
4: The money won't come anymore and I need the money.
0: I roll my shoulders a lot. So there's like... Mm. There's this yeah. like a repetitive imagery of her like getting hunched over. And like I notice this a lot because like I, I edit and write a lot. So I always look like a little goblin at my computer. And for listeners, I just like imagine someone like with their shoulders up to like their forehead. <laughs> it's like how I look. So I always roll my shoulders back and hear it crack. And I'm just like, I hope that's good. Uh but there's also, yeah, that fear of just like, oh no, what if I like because I did something to my body it can't be undone kind of
2: feeling yeah. about
0: that, you know and I was like oh I didn't even know I was thinking about my shoulder breaking but now I am
3: <laughs> Cass do you I know you said you you crack your knuckles do you crack yeah. your your neck
0: I do crack my neck I definitely do yeah. have the fear where I'm like oh I should be careful because <laughs> <laughs> I crack my neck
3: <laughs> I'm just gonna crack your neck and just fall down like, yeah yes. I have it right right and you don't crack your neck
4: either I crack my neck, I crack my back, it's everything but the fingers.
3: Okay, so it just extends.
4: Yeah, no one warned me about the other knuckles in my body. (laughs) Everyone's just like, the hand knuckles, they're going to swell up, they're going to be too big, your hands are going to look weird and crooked. I'm like, all right, can't have that. But if my back is weird and crooked, who cares? (laughs) I don't know why my brain works like that. But no fear for that.
0: So Ryan, as someone who's recently had a child in this past year, I would love to know what moments of the movie stuck out the most for you. And I'm also very curious if you watch it with your partner, who also recently gave birth, because I don't know if I could watch this if I recently gave birth. I I think it'd be too close to home.
4: So Betsy did not watch the movie with me, unfortunately. (laughs) Hmm. I think she would have been fine. But she's always been like nonplussed by like the scariest movies. Nothing really gets under her skin. She likes horror movies, but I don't think she's ever really frightened by them. What stood out to me most as something that I really like related to was, uh, I know Raul in the movie is not a good dude, Mm -hmm. but um, having a pregnant partner and being worried about miscarriages is a very, not precarious because I mean, maybe it is precarious, um, but like miscarriages are very common. It's like that fear was very real for both of us. Mm -hmm. And so like when, uh, valeria needs to give up her woodworking one i relate to that a lot because i feel like i've lost a lot of my writing time and my music time because i'm just taking care of a baby all day mm-hmm. um, so i relate to that And i think night bitch by rachel yotter has a very good portrayal of that the book
3: i, have, I bought that book i haven't read it yet
4: it's good it's it's a uh, very intense if you've just had a child um but as as was this but the, the fear of the partner, something happening to them while pregnant is absolutely terrifying. It's If you're in Raul's position or my position, it's totally out of your control, which is difficult. <laughs> so I think that he handled it badly. And I think that he should have given her her agency. Mm-hmm.
2: But I also remember
4: that Betsy and I got into a big fight at like 1 a.m. one night because she was staying up late to bake our neighbors Christmas cookies while she was six months pregnant. And I was like, can you please just cook the cookies tomorrow and get a good night's sleep? Because like, I don't want this to affect the baby. And I probably was overstepping at that point. But mm-hmm. it was also like very real anxiety. And so, yeah, I felt a lot of Raul stuff. And then after the baby was born, I related to a lot of that because I'm the the, the primary caregiver for our kid.
0: So mm-hmm. I've never I've babysitted a lot of babies and like I grew up with like, babies. Cause my, uh, my stepbrother, he's not, not the smartest egg would just, I was like maybe six or so up till from six to like 12 would just leave me with his babies. And I'd be like, this is not a great idea. Um, and there's wow. one time I remember specifically, there's one time where his like his infant, like was maybe barely six months was on the bed. And one of his toddlers came and jumped on the bed. And I saw the baby go from the bed and just like fall off and hit their head on the floor. Aww. And it was one of those things where it was like the, like the Val with the um, minor spoiler. She has a history with a child getting her under her watch. And she's all anxiety around that, where it's like, some things just happen around kids. And it's like, you can't, you you're not perfect. You're going to mess up. And like, Everything's fine. My nephew is fine. Between that fact and that little scene of putting the baby in the fridge by mistake when you're just like beyond exhausted, I loved that scene. Cause so I just thought, like, on the surface, it sounds like the most horrible thing in the world. But I mean, if you're sleep deprived and you're spending all your effort with this like little life, like mm, I feel like you're only human. And that's what's scary about being a parent, but like you do yeah. dumb shit.
3: <laughs> yeah. I think uh Raul was put in a precarious situation like like you were saying ryan like he definitely did dumb shit and wasn't the best partner um and 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 it showed um he uh it it seemed like he was maybe you have to do this when you're a parent i don't know Mm -hmm. but like it seemed like he was putting the child in front of her and um you know maybe like making sure they were okay before she was okay. And Mm. she she even says at one point, which was, it was kind of devastating. She just needed patience. Yeah. And she was like reaching out for him and asking for help. Oh yeah. You know what? Fuck that guy. I am angry at him. Yeah. Because like he, instead of like being there for his partner and and, uh, like being understanding and caring He's like, no, we're gonna do some other measures. And goes and calls his mom, like a little mama's boy, little bitch, mm-hmm. and like has her try to fix everything. And he's the one who, like, I won't say it, but like, you know, he wasn't trying to make the situation any better. He was ready to, you know, just be done with her and like just make sure that the baby's okay. So,
4: yeah, he yeah. also he never stands up. For her to his mm-hmm. mother, he always sides with his mother against her, mm-hmm. especially when she builds this uh, beautiful crib for the That's baby. So
0: good, it's so cute.
4: I don't understand how you could have her build that crib and then not do everything in your power to protect and make sure you use that crib, or even let her build another one at that point. Because obviously, it was very important to her, mm-hmm. and it was very beautiful and well done. And his mother didn't like it, but his mother can can fuck off at that point. Yeah.
0: I want to say something, but I think we'll have to go into spoiler territory to say it. Do we feel like it's a good point to move in that direction?
4: Yeah, let's pop into the spoiler territory.
0: All right, let's do it. So my biggest thing about Raul is I feel like... I saw another reviewer say that he basically treated Val as if she was a walking womb, just like just like a vessel for a child and not really like a person with agency. Like he stopped having sex with her when she was like pregnant. Um, and I, And I think I see that a lot of readings of that. Like I think... He just kind of like Miguel already said, only saw the baby and her role as a mother and stopped seeing her as a person. And when they, the, while it started off, like they were very intimate and cute and seemed to have this like, maybe lightly nagging, but like an understanding of each other's flaws. at The beginning of the movie, it quickly went like into very like verbally abusive and like gaslighting territory in roles part as soon as she started having any connection to her pregnancy. And it just made me also curious too, which I'd love to know your thoughts. Like if Raul was different, like if Raul was someone as loving and accepting as like what we are led to believe about Octavia, I honestly wonder if like she would have been okay with motherhood because she did seem genuinely excited and ecstatic at the thought of having a kid, but it seemed like more and more when like the realities of like motherhood set in and he wasn't there and was also being dismissive and not wanting the same things for their child, it seemed like that just, really let her to just not want to be around him or the child. So I'm curious about that. Again, this is not what this is in the film. I'm curious what you two think of that.
3: For for me, it's a bit difficult because I am a skeptic. And so this film, a large part of this film deals with brujería, right? Mm-hmm. Um, witchcraft in, in Spanish, um, but specifically localized like Mexican brujería and um I'm a skeptic. So I feel like Raul is a skeptic as well. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody tells you that they are seeing things um my first in my first gut instinct isn't to be like oh like she's possess- oh, not possessed Not this but she's like haunted by a, a demon spirit or something like that and so i don't know what necessarily my like i can i can believe my significant other i can be like I, I i know you think you saw something right but i cannot go bridge that gap and say oh i now believe in spirits and demons and ghosts and ghouls and goblins and all that sort of stuff and so i think he was like she was having these visions, and um, he was trying to come come at it from a pragmatic point of view, of like, okay, you you didn't get your foot cracked by a demon who reached under, which was a great image. There's a great visuals in this. You just had a cramp, and here, you know, um, ch- uh, go from cold water to hot water, that sort of thing. So, like, I want to hate him, and I want to want to be like, yeah, you're a dumbass, but like. I don't know what I would do because I'm all, I, I am a skeptic. I, I wouldn't believe in that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah,
4: mm-hmm. I totally feel that. Cause I feel like I would also very much struggle if someone was like, I am being attacked slash possessed slash whatever by a demon. And I do think that the bring her the hot water and the cold water for the foot cramp was very sweet, not sweet, but uh, caring. But I think, yeah, he eventually just doesn't take her seriously at all. And I think there's a, you can believe someone and treat them well without necessarily agreeing with what they're saying. Like you can at least Mm -hmm. believe her emotional state. Remember, my, my great, my grandmother was, uh, ill with Parkinson's. She would have the, this is a common thing. She'd have hallucinations from the the medicine. She took a lot of, uh, Mm -hmm. interesting schizophrenia patients who are having hallucinations. Uh, the, the medicine to stop that makes you shake. Um, it's just like the same part of the brain, um, which I find very fascinating, but she would have like visions of, uh, People who weren't there, the piano making all kinds of discordant noises. Mm. And so, like the thing I learned was that if you take the thing seriously, like she'd say the the ceiling was falling apart. And if I like went up and pretended to put the ceiling back on, she would stop having the hallucination. And it was like, I didn't believe the ceiling was falling. And I think he could have been more empathetic um, with Valeria, even if he didn't necessarily believe her and treat it like it was real, even if he didn't believe it was real.
0: The movie isn't necessarily about this, but I do think that you could read this film as a a view on like postpartum depression, which is a really real thing. And also, I can imagine like if I was with someone who was experiencing that, that's really difficult because you're going through your own journey with that as well. Like you're imagining this like idyllic. Uh, you know, post birth way of life. And then it's something else happens that kind of just throws you for a loop because it's unexpected. So I can, I can empathize with him to an extent. I think for me, which was the thing that was kind of a shocker was like how not subtle he was with his wanting to control her. And like, even at one point, like openly talking about possibly committing her while she's like in the other room and awake, mm-hmm. I like like those, those moves I thought was just um a bit too, Like so direct and so invasive, Uh, even though I can understand like his concerns. Like she's smoking while pregnant, he literally walks into his wife hiding the fact the baby's room is on fire. Like there are definitely some big red flags of being like, what is going on here? But then I think like because the film is in Val's perspective, we maybe don't see the other aspects of the relationship where maybe he was trying to be. Kinder, uh, we just we just don't know that we only see what she's seeing and what she's latching onto because it's in her POV. But I would love to talk a little bit more about her relationship with Octavia because I think it's so fascinating that and I don't know if this is a sign of empathy or maturity or any kind of care from her role. I still can't wrap my head around this too much, but the fact that he knows that every once in a while his wife goes to see Octavia, uh, especially while pregnant, to like hook up with her ex girlfriend and like is fine enough by it. fine enough to not leave her To like not abandon the family unit not ask for like a divorce or like to separate while wanting to still be in the kid's life like he was just like so committed to his little nuclear family even though he knows she's blatantly having an affair and i thought that was very interesting
3: uh so for me it said in in the movie uh maybe it was her mom or maybe it was her sister who was a complete like mean mean person yeah um but somebody says like while you're having a kid, maybe it's even in, during the act of, of child labor that you feel like you're being split in two. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a kind of a theme in the movie because even at the end, on the baby monitor, you see two hand, two sets of hands going mm-hmm. in to reach for the baby. But also, she's possibly bisexual. She mm-hmm. could be a lesbian who's just faking the funk to have this beautiful, quote unquote, beautiful um nuclear family it's never really said whether or not she's just Mm -hmm. a lesbian or or she's possibly bisexual but i just thought you know that's also being split kind of into Mm -hmm. being um attracted to both sides and there's there's other there's other like visuals in the movie that they kind of kind of connected back to and i just thought i i I really enjoyed like that like finding little bits and pieces that uh, of of uh of that, that they're kind of trailing throughout the movie. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I think the the chicken that Cass mentioned earlier was my favorite of the the breaking into. Oh images. yeah, breaking into.
3: Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, I think the that he knows she's having the affair. I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what quite to make of it. It does make a question, like, like Miguel said, are they actually Raúl and Valeria in love, mm-hmm. or are this like is she just with him to have that? that child and he knows it one of the questions I wanted to to ask if that's okay Cass no go for um, it back to uh, Valeria and Raul's relationship they very much convinced me they were a happy loving couple when they're trying to conceive the child yeah Um, to the point where like if I was the director I'd have been like worried that no one's gonna believe he'd be this bad to her after that did you guys feel like that too
0: at least right now, I've I read her just in general because I'm still thinking about Miguel's um, answer. I read her in general as being like just bisexual only because I really bought into the love she felt for Raul. And I think also like she genuinely looked ecstatic when she found out she was pregnant too. Like he lifted her up in the air and it's just like, just literally buoyant and so happy so i really bought into whether or not it ended in a loving place that there there was real love and affection there and she also really wants to like when she's pregnant she's like i really want to fuck my husband and he's just not having it and she's frustrated by it so like i, I do think that there was a time when they were in love and in lust with each other for sure
4: one other thing about the the two relationships I found fascinating she's only ever naked when she's with octavia on screen Mm y'all notice that too i thought that was a really she's naked in the the bathtub with the baby and then she's naked in the the sex scenes with octavia but she's almost always clothed with raul i thought that was a a way the director was commenting how emotionally intimate valeria could be with each person
0: yeah i didn't notice that ahead of time but i think that's spot on because when I saw her sex scenes and like cuddle scenes with her husband, it felt felt fun. It felt like giddy. It felt a little silly, and still loving. But when I saw her with Octavia, it felt more. I mean, literally like vulnerable because she's naked. But it did. It just did feel more intimate and like she's the person she goes to when things are wrong and 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 like her life is an upheaval. Like she felt like her like shelter, you know? And so that added, I think an extra layer to their sex life mm-hmm. that I didn't really get with her and Raul. Like Raul can't take her when she's not happy. But Octavia will take the worst of her, unfortunately for Octavia. <laughs> what do you think, Miguel?
3: Could we talk about the ending for a little bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, do you guys believe that it was ever like ex- Reveal that it actually, that all that stuff actually did happen, because I'm still a, I'm still a skeptic at heart, and so I feel like it's never proven in 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 the real world that what was happening what was actually was happening, and it could just be in her head. And when she goes to the curandera or the um, the, the person who like uh, the la bruja or whatever they want to call her. Um, when she goes to, him, to goes to her, is it just like a placebo effect sort of thing? Her, the battle she has is the battle in her mind, right? Like she's mm-hmm. dreaming and sort of thing. And so they helped in that they allowed her to kind of um, fight her own battles in her mind. But to me, it was a placebo effect. I don't know. I, I want to get your guys' opinion on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the emotional journey was believable enough for me in the film held up enough that I could still, I could see either reading of it totally happened or like she went to the up and like got some sort of hallucinogenic and passed out and then woke up and had some water and went home, but like went through a like metaphysical journey in her brain, but it didn't actually happen. But she needed to do that to like get through some mental blocks and her denial about her feelings about certain aspects of her life. But I do like to believe that it did happen only because one of my least favorite tropes in horror is the like, nobody believes me, but this is happening, I swear. Um, especially yes, when it, right, it, there with right? And especially when it gets looped into mental illness, because then it opens up a whole can of worms where you're like, oh, Jesus. Because like, I think a thoughtful way to talk about it is the way that Ryan was talking about um, your your grandmother, was it? With Parkinson's. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a great way to talk. Like you can make a scene around that if you want to in a way that is thoughtful and considerate and showing what people see versus like the reality, but like ground it in like something um, tangible and make it clear why you're either believing or not believing for the sake of their health. Like that's awesome. Very hard to do a plus if you can do it. So for me, I think I like to pretend it did actually happen. Especially because, like,
3: well, that's what I—that's uh, what I love about this movie and movies in general that do this is they leave it up to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They don't—they don't feed you the answer. They don't feed you everything. They give you enough, and then at the end, it's kind of like not every new movie needs to be open ended, but some movies can be open ended. This is open ended, and, and it lets you decide. It's kind of like choose your own adventure, right? Which one you want it to be? Because I'm a skeptic, I want to be like, ah, oh, it was in her head.
2: But, yeah, <laughs> you
3: know, that's that's a dismissive take on it too what do you what do you think Ryan?
4: so i was i was thinking more along the lines i was watching it like what does the monster represent mm. and i think it comes down to like it represents her fears and anxieties and the fears and anxieties everyone else is placing on her mm-hmm. or maybe it's just the other people's force that's kind of like manifest into this monster that she needs to slay in her mind um so i was more thinking about that than whether it was actually a real monster or not but i think it was a real monster mostly because we're watching a horror film i think in the world of the film it's at least real enough to like have affected her in this way whether it's a hallucination or not yeah that's a good point
0: i love the detail that at the end when we see the monster steal a baby blanket and turn around she sees her own face because i was very curious why throughout the film all the the iterations of the monster we see it is faceless it's faceless because she's still in denial about her feelings and denial about her role as a mom and the kind of life she wants to live and then by the end when she finally realizes she wants to you know keep up her carpentry like take those tools out of the house and leave her husband and either go back to octavia or do something else like um i feel like she can only get to that point when she quite literally faces herself and i think that that was just such a nice touch and very subtly done too it doesn't linger there too long because the second she recognizes that the monster has her face, the monster literally explodes too, which I just thought was nice. Cause so we don't have to wonder like, is the monster still out there? It's like, <laughs> no, no, it's done. That part at least has been settled. And now here comes the hard part. What the fuck do you do with your life? Once you realize you don't want to be living with your husband anymore, <laughs> which is its own kind of like monstrous situation because she clearly loves her child, but she is not in a spot where she can provide care for the child, at least in the way that Raul wants
3: and that's actually like a really terrible decision that a your yeah. mother would have to, would have to make. And, you know, but also it's so, so loving because she knows that she could not provide the love and care and support that that child needs to, to have a good life. And she loves her so much or yeah, it's a girl, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, She loves her so much that they, she wants her to have that good life and, and you know, she doesn't want her to be around a mother who's going to resent her and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. And as someone who has experience with, not my mother in general, but like uh, uh, somebody's mother who is very resentful
2: mm-hmm. for having
3: to give up like their professional career and all that sort of stuff, like. That is devastating to some to somebody's life, and and so the fact that she's able to love her so much that she ha- she lets her go is it's beautiful, uh, and that's what I was saying earlier is like she makes a decision that for if if we didn't if we weren't with that character if we we if we didn't believe in that character we would like call her a monster for leaving her child or something, but she's not a monster. She loves her child so much that she's making that decision to leave. And yeah I, I thought I thought it was beautifully done.
0: Yeah, a lot of this film is about like I don't wanna say voiceless, but giving a voice to things you don't often see in horror and I think yeah, mo- like mothers that either choose to co-parent but not live with their child or to, you know, give their child away for adoption or give it to someone else to take care of. I think that in a lot of times can be the hardest thing you'll ever have to do, but is I think an act of great love and like I think a lot of people that may be would benefit from making that choice are afraid to because of what society might think about them. Like, oh, I would be a horrible mother if I gave up my child. And it's like, well, if you don't think that you can provide in a way the child needs, then that seems to me like totally the opposite. But we just never hear that kind of storyline of it. It just is very like shameful and scornful when mothers do that. So I really appreciate that above all else because- you can still feel sad about. I think that's the thing like by the end of the movie you feel sad that she has had to make this decision but i didn't resent her for it at all which i think is yeah. r- hard to land.
4: I think that's a really good point. I think we see throughout the movie that she's not getting the support she needs not from her husband who won't let her do the woodworking which is obviously a huge part of why she leaves. It's like it's who she is. It's her identity is wrapped up in this art she makes and that's very understandable. And her family constantly mocks her and belittles mm-hmm. her. And they're just horrible to her. And so everywhere she looks for support, except for her her aunt, who just wants her to leave.
2: Mm-hmm. And
4: her uh, ex-lover, who also, I don't know what her ex-lover wants for her. I think her ex-lover is very frustrated because she keeps hooking up with her. Yeah. It seems fair because the ex-lover wants to have like a life um, yeah. outside of this person who just kind of comes back every week for a fuck but yeah, I think more support and she would not have left. And I also think the the society's judgment on the people who leave their kids frequently exonerates all of the people who are not supportful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I was maybe getting at earlier with my question, but still kind of not putting it into like the right words, but that I think if she was with someone like Octavia or had more of a support system, the ending might have been different. It might not have been. She might have still been like, no, it turns out like I, I love my child, but I do not love parenting. But I, I think there's an alternate reality where I could see her making different decisions because it's really hard to support a newborn life if no one is supporting you as a human. Like, how are you supposed to do that? That sounds impossible. And where's Raul? He's not taking care of this kid. <laughs> not you know, taking care of anybody
3: about Raul, like, I don't know where in his mind he, so he, she's had a very difficult pregnancy Mm. and uh, it seems Mm. like she barely made it to the labor, you know, and then to leave her alone, like you said, it looked like he was a a musician of some sort and had to leave. And I understand that you have to leave. You, You need to be able to provide for, for your family, but at least get somebody in there to be with her, like call her mother or, or or your mother or a friend. She did not even have a lot of uh, friends anymore. But like somebody, even her aunt, her aunt seems to love her very much. Somebody to stay there with her. Um, that that fateful night where like she does end up putting her in the, in the in the refrigerator. I, I'm laughing, but it's terrible. Like it was a really like, that scene was great. Like I was like, oh my god. Like, I love when movies like go there and have the have the. We'll say cojones. We have the cojones to do that, to do something like kill the kids off. Like, fuck them kids, right? Like, kill that kid off. Like, I saw a movie very recently. I won't say what, cause, but I was like, they should have killed the kid. So, like, I was like, oh, man, did they kill that kid? And then when they didn't, I was like, okay, that's fine. Because that that scene itself was had so much tension. I don't feel like they cheaped out on it, but it was, like, so much tension, and it, it, it was just – it was so good but she shouldn't have been placed in the situation to be by herself like she should have i know there's she should have her agency and all that but she has been displaying signs of mental distress and so she should have had somebody there with her
0: yes like throughout her pregnancy she was having like and i actually don't i, I don't know but i wouldn't be surprised because pregnancy does such weird shit to your body like your liver ends up somewhere near like your shoulder for some reason like all your organs just go swoop they get like umbrellaed up your lungs are like by your chin it's I, it's weird and its own yes could part.
4: you for the listeners at home describe the hand motion you, you made when you said uh, shwoop please uh,
0: <laughs> do you remember you know we had go-gurt as a kid and you like <laughs> so the like go-gurt i like did that with my hands but imagine like a human torso just getting go-gurted like. yeah
3: <laughs> it's perfect uh, imagine, imagine being like in a waist trainer for nine months or something oh
0: goodness yeah yeah Um, But yeah, I I agree with you because you went through such like that alone is enough. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if host nations were a part of pregnancy in, in some way. But beyond that, she gets diagnosed by a doctor as having postpartum depression. And that's like it's you need help with that. You're not yeah. able to do basic functioning tasks and you have to take care of a kid. So 100%, she should have someone with her. Her, I don't know. It's not explicitly stated, but I think it's heavily hinted at in the movie, but I love her gay aunt and I wish that her gay aunt just
4: lived with her. <laughs> yeah, that aunt like was real cool. She's so she cool. She was great. And the she had, it seemed like, the support in, in place.
0: I it think just, No like, one
4: mm-hmm. did anything.
0: Yeah. And I also was really curious why, well, I mean, I think- there's some class stuff too at play because I think that if she still lived in in the city where her family was living, it's it's implied that she basically goes to like the, living like a downtown style like life and like a nice house and whatnot or a nice apartment. I don't know. I think she would have been happier. I think her aunt was still living with her mom, which is why she wouldn't stay there because her mom is horrible and her sister is horrible. But it'd be really nice to see her living with her gay aunt and her friends. And I do love that the film <laughs> – the mom calls her aunt a spinster. And I was like, is this, this just code for gay aunt? Is this is just the code for being like, we don't talk about it. We don't acknowledge it. But she's having like Nicoladas in the street with her, like her little gay posse. That is like, like a <laughs> <the> beauty salon. <laughs> I was like, she's amazing. Yeah, uh,
4: that aunt was cool. Me. She's very
3: cool.
4: One thing I really love that we haven't hit on yet um, related to the aunt. I love that the the mom takes her to the, the Virgin Mary statue at the very beginning for a ritual. Mm-hmm. And we end with uh, the Anse Brujeria ritual. I think that was a very cool way of, uh, I mean, one worked and one didn't. I just, I was into that. The book ending of rituals, from different religions.
0: Yeah. I think the film does that a, a lot. Like a lot of the bookends, like the more and more we talk about, it, the more I'm like, oh, they did kind of show this earlier in a different way. Like, I'm pretty sure when there's um the sonogram scene, there's like, it looks like two heads for a second, just like before we see like the two hands taking away the baby and the camera. And like the the main reason why I think that baby in the fridge scene is so, so tense because I was convinced it was going to go way darker. I thought she, dro- not only did I think she dropped the baby out of the window, but I didn't look at the running time because so I didn't want to spoil myself because then if I knew there was like another hour or something left, this wouldn't happen. But I thought that because we saw in the beginning of the movie, the person jumping out the window, which is I'm guessing the entity or her, Worst reality version of what's going to happen after being a mom. I thought that the baby was thrown out the window and she was going to like jump to her death, and it was like some weird premonition. But I think because we saw that, it like cued us in to think that would happen. So when the baby's in that fridge, we're like, oh, thank God.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It was really smart writing. Yeah,
3: I love the visual of that um, La Virgen de Guadalupe in the beginning. Like it's it's kind of, it's so huge. It's Kind of like uh, Christ the Redeemer that they have in, in Brazil, but it's maybe half the size of that. Looks so great. And then they have that, like the ritual you're saying, where they're like, she, she's on her knees going up the stairs. And uh, I have family members who've done that. Not, not obviously not that statue, but they'll, they'll at a church in Mexico, they'll start like, two three blocks away or whatever and then on their knees just crawl and this is something that hundreds of people are doing at that time i don't remember maybe it's around easter or whatever but so like that was really kind of cool to see because it brought me back to like real life kind of connected to that and then that mexican family sounds terrible but it's extremely realistic it was <laughs> so fucking mean to her and i was like yeah that's not necessarily my my nuclear family but that's like my outside family like my yeah. aunts and uncles are like kind of mean like that i was like jesus christ like They were hitting uh, like a lot of stuff in for me. So I I had a a good connection with with the movie and I really, really dug that.
4: I guess my closing thoughts would be, I think it is a great movie anchored by a very good debut performance Mm -hmm. with a lot of interesting symbolism and a very real to true to life portrayal of um, the way pregnancy transforms a woman's role in a given society. I don't necessarily think it should be that way but i think it often is that way. i mean just thinking of like the way betsy and i are treated when we walk when i walk out with the baby people stop me and like it is so great that you're having a day with your daughter or like you are a saint walking this hollowed ground and when betsy goes out with the baby it's like people a woman came up to her in the heb parking lot and said like to the baby not betsy you should be wearing a jacket and, like, Ooh, it's just like the that. difference of the way people treat me with the baby versus her is disgusting and obviously a sexist double standard and not right.
3: Yeah, that sucks. That person sucks. So, for me, uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm really excited to see what the director is going to do next. Um, there, there was, first of all, I read in it in a review, somebody said post punk part of depression. And I, I love <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that's
4: great. It, that's great.
3: I, yeah, I, I liked a lot of the. Aesthetics of the movie, a lot of the music of the movie, and we didn't even talk about her moshing. As oh a, yeah, pregnant. That was great. <laughs> oh, too. that
4: was so cool.
3: She
0: went and so labor at a punk rock show.
3: <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of great visuals for this. Some some stuff that you wouldn't think a first time director would do. It's just just all around really solid film. I, I think uh, I'd recommend it to anybody. Uh, I, I just really enjoyed it. uh I want to thank you guys for getting having me on here to to Thanks check for it being out. being on, Miguel.
4: Yeah, Yeah, this has been great. Always a pleasure.
0: And yeah, I mean, I feel like I can just say, echo what you both have already said. I think I'm just so happy that it just gave a voice to like different stages and anxieties around pregnancy, especially as someone who can birth child and who has a friend who's literally about to give birth at any point this week. And I am always balancing like, am I texting too much or not enough? And uh, I think, yeah, I would love to see more films like these tackle how pregnancy changes an individual's life and like how there's always like after you have a kid there's always that box of like what you do as a mother but also still what you do as a human and there are those two selves and that doesn't change and that's okay but we need to make space for those two selves so you don't have to feel like you have to choose so it's that. really
4: hard to balance that Um oh, fuck, see yeah. you differently when you have a kid and you know, i'm like i'm still the, the same person mm. it's weird it's all weird